Welcome to Kitchen Table Conversations, a series of short and shareable conversation starters for those of us who have or love and support people with a complicated and beautiful brain. Here's your host, Angela Geddes. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kitchen Table Conversations. I am your host, Angela, and so grateful that you've decided to tune in today. So last week, we talked a little bit about the hidden epidemic, and today I'm going to call this episode the epidemic that nobody really wants to talk about. And so just a little bit of history. A few years ago, I used to be the assessment clinic coordinator for a pilot project that um, assessed for fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, and I was also in the midst of completing my thesis for my master's in social work. And at that time, I was obviously reading a lot of journal articles and a lot of newspaper articles and was really knee deep in a lot of formal and informal research. And I came across an article that was highlighting some of Dr. Carl Bell's research. Now, Dr. Carl Bell, unfortunately, passed away in 2019. And I'm very sad to say that because although I only spoke to him once, I'm just learning about what an what an amazing clinician and human being he actually was a very devoted in understanding the root of violence and recognizing the social determinants of health and how that impacts communities and obviously individuals and so he came across some really interesting findings while working in his um, in his mental health clinic as a psychiatrist. And he said, no one realizes how common it actually is. And he was referring to the impact of prenatal alcohol exposure. And his work surrounded primarily the impact of trauma on children in disadvantaged neighborhoods. So today, as we know, Prenatal alcohol exposure is widely recognized as the largest preventable cause of birth defects, which result in FASD. So we know that. And back in 2014, a team of researchers led by Dr. Philip May in the University of North Carolina published an article indicating that 2 to 5% of first graders in a largely white, largely middle class, mid Western City had fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And at that time, Dr. Carl Bell unfortunately suspected that the numbers would be much higher still in poor, tough neighborhoods where there's liquor stores at every corner. So he conducted a formal study within his own clinic of 611 patients in Chicago's South Side. And he found that nearly 40% had FASD. And so no one had looked at the prevalence rates of FASD in low-income African-American communities before. And Bell said that he had never been so stunned in his life. But unfortunately, shortly thereafter, a warning to young women kind of backfired. So earlier in the year, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention advised all sexually active women of childbearing age to abstain from all alcohol use unless they're using contraception. And this approach left women feeling that it was sort of condescending and that it really this, this message was ridiculed. On the surface level, I think many of us can understand why women might not appreciate hearing this message. However, I think as what we've been trying to say is that many people or most people don't understand that 
even small to moderate amounts of alcohol that's consumed prior to the pregnancy being confirmed can have significant impact. And again, there's many reasons why people consume alcohol, and none of which include to deliberately harm a growing baby. So we do need to understand that. But people do have a right to make informed choices and informed decisions. So people need the right information and people do need to understand that alcohol. there is no safe amount, no safe time, and no safe type of alcohol that can be consumed during the pregnancy. In the end, Bell was hoping to show that African-American kids who are dropping out of school and ending up on the streets are there because of social determinants of health which include alcohol use and prenatal alcohol exposure. And so perhaps then he was hoping that communities could see alcohol for what it was, which is a bigger problem than cocaine or heroin, and kids whose brains were damaged in utero would get the proper treatment instead of being labeled as, in his words, deadbeats or failures. But he, like many of of us, are not really sure if people want to hear this message. Again, alcohol is a huge part of our communities. So how do we spread this message without alienating ourselves and without scaring people unnecessarily, but yet allowing people to make, again, informed decisions? Dr. Carl Bell went on to say, I've been told all my life that African-Americans are intellectually inferior, Bell said, and I'm terrified of what I've found because it might feed into the stigma by suggesting that brain damage is more common in poor black communities than elsewhere, reinforcing painful stereotypes. But what it really says is that if we want to address social justice and if we want social justice, we need to address the fetal alcohol problem. And we in Canada have a similar stigma and misunderstanding with regards to our First Nations community and some of our other Black and marginalized communities. Some of the earliest research around FASD came from the First Nations community, so there was this unfair link in stereotypes associating prenatal alcohol exposure with with our First Nation communities. However, the research is clear that, in fact, the most likely to continue to consume alcohol during their pregnancy in small or moderate amounts are white, highly educated women between the ages of 25 and 35. But as Dr. Bell said earlier, we need to address the social determinants of health and why people are consuming alcohol so that there is a So that we recognize that there is a link to intergenerational trauma and people using alcohol to escape and to self-medicate, which then compounds the existing and significant issues around our history, which includes the residential school system and the 60s scoop and the ongoing examples of systemic racism that exists today. So again, rather than looking at race and racism alone, we need to look at the social determinants of health and understanding that intergenerational trauma is often linked to intergenerational substance use and misuse, including alcohol. September 30th is Canada's second annual National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. It's also Orange Shirt Day, which is an Indigenous-led grassroots event intended to raise awareness of the impacts of residential schools. Their message is clear and that it is important to remember that every child matters, which is such an important and inclusive message in the spirit of building a more inclusive service delivery system, which is what we're all about 
It would be great to share this message also and to take some time to learn more about our history and the impact of our residential school system and the unjust and misinformed actions of our child protection services, which resulted in so much family breakdown and deep-rooted and intergenerational trauma. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada calls to action mentioned specifically Section 33 and 34, the need to address FASD in a comprehensive way. It speaks directly about the need for increased access to assessment services and relevant support services, and it also speaks to the overrepresentation in our justice system that needs also to be addressed. And we cannot address that significant issue without being very deliberate in our supports and services that circle around mental health services, addiction services, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, the reasons why people consume alcohol, and once again, the social determinants of health so that we can wrap around individuals and families and really do our best work in terms of prevention and meeting people where they're at and reducing the stigma and just offering supports that are going to lead to the outcomes that all of us are really hoping for. Clearly, there's lots of work left to do. And this is why we're so happy that you've decided to share space and to join us in these kitchen table conversations. And we do encourage you to continue to share and to continue to use these as conversation starters for yourselves. And don't forget, if you find these conversations interesting, feel free to share amongst your family and your friends. And let's keep these conversations going. Again, let us know if there's any topics that you'd like us to cover in these kitchen table conversations. With many thanks. Angela.